Hello there and welcome to Community Life. Here we talk with the community experts about their life journeys and how they came into the community world. And today we have a conversation with Bree Lever, splasher of water, lover of books, <laughs> top customers activator, skilled generalist, and mystery solving community consultant. Ah. So, hello Bree. You did your homework. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's true it's all true <laughs> at least we can do one mark so the first question is amber consulting why amber mm, why the name yes yeah so um it all came from a typo and a text i was i was trying to figure out what to call what i wanted to call my my community work and it actually was a typo <laughs> but um once i saw the word ember written out i was like oh ember i was like that's actually like such a great analogy for community because um i like to say if you've ever built a fire um you know that there's no shortcuts i guess like technically there's shortcuts you can like throw gasoline on it <laughs> yeah but like in integrity when you're building a fire there's there's no there's no way to rush the process but when you take the time to build a good fire and you get embers there's nothing that they can't like well there's very few things that they can't catch on fire <laughs> yes so i like i i think that's what happens for like your your top customers when you bring them together and like embers have to stay together to like keep each other warm and keep each other powerful and i also love that they're just like they're like a fire is made of like everyday average materials you know it's not like like anything can become an ember it's not like you need a very specific thing or like you need a very specific person it's like anyone can do this um it just takes time and takes the right equation yeah and you told about typo so what was the idea first mm, it wasn't even an idea i was literally just i was sending a friend a text about an organization called dressember and it like auto-corrected dress and ember and i was like oh, ember i was like i should call it my business that so <laughs> super yeah. random <laughs> luck just chance wow it's 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 great so let's start from the beginning tell me a little about your parents who are they yeah oh my gosh i'd love to they are some pretty wild people is <laughs> <laughs> it's a good beginning you know please continue <laughs> um so i guess i'll start on my mom's side and um you kind of have to I have to start a little bit farther behind so my grandpa my mom's dad was um raised amish in pennsylvania so he grew up on an amish farm he was one of 10 and he left the amish when he was in his um, early 20s he was still a pacifist so instead of being drafted he volunteered for service work in by um and he moved to peru where he built roads um in the amazon and when he was there, he met my rebel Mennonite grandmother from Minnesota, who was teaching music in Ecuador at the time. And they got married and started having a family in Peru. So my mom was born and raised 
um, until she was 10. Uh, she and her two older brothers. And then she came back to the U.S., moved to Texas, was like a pageant queen in Texas. <laughs> it's like this woman. This is like just the snapshot. She's She is, I mean, just words can't describe. So she then... Um, went to college in Minnesota where she met, where she met my dad and my dad is from like um inner city LA <laughs> and he um grew up in Hawthorne where he um was bullied a lot got like pretty beat up and um he moved to Canada actually for his last year of high school he was a pastor's son so they moved around to different churches, not not a ton, but significantly enough. And then they met in in college. He was the football player. She was the cheerleader. <laughs> he was a girl. She was a boy. <laughs> exactly. uh, but, yeah, not, not exactly you know like that. Goes. But you, you know how it goes. <laughs> and um, they, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, and so they um, they got married right out of college and moved to Florida because they went to school in Minnesota. So, of course, you're going to want to move to Florida after that. <laughs> and so and then they had like they found these like two um, like they had these two other couple friends who like they became really close with. And for seven years, they like had tons of fun and adventures and then they all, they basically had a pregnancy pact. They were like, we're all going to get pregnant at the same time. And so they did. And so for, for each one of me and my siblings, there is one of them too. So they're the Jacksons and the Eric's. And, you know, my parents moved back to our family farm when I was three, but those families have remained like for our, like our whole, like cellular family unit like we have all remained really close which is crazy we still like we always come to like like if we have a funeral like you know the jacksons and the erics are showing up if like any wedding it's like everyone flies in. and now everyone's like all over the u.s and like the the erics are like in zurich right now like it's just everybody is everywhere and we moved to qatar so it was like we've all been everywhere but like we all are super and it, we're also different. Like we're not <laughs> we're not the same people. <sighs> but I love I, I think that was kind of like the original um, village that I was raised in and continue to be supported by. So that was way more than you asked for. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like sounds like extended family, you know. So mm-hmm. you have your parents, mm-hmm. you have your siblings, you have much more. So yeah. Okay. So on that topic, so I live in Hawaii now and there's a Hawaiian word that I, I don't want to like culturally appropriate, but it's the best word ever. And I wish we had a word for it in English and it's called, um, your Hanai family, which is like your chosen family. So it's, but it's very like, you just use it and hear it casually all the time. Like, oh yeah, that's my Hanai daughter. And that's my Hanai mom. That's my Hanai sister. And so that is def- they are my Hanai family, 100%. Yeah. And tell me more about your siblings. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to. So they're great. I, so I'm one of four. I'm the oldest, so I'm obviously in charge. And <laughs> yes, totally. <I> <laughs> That's definitely my like 
original community building spirit comes from being the oldest. Like I'm the rallier of the crew. I'm like, I organize the people, the troops, you know, we're like a small army. We can divide into two teams. It was just like all of the, and, and growing up on the farm too. So we had like a 50 acre farm and my parents are both in education. So, um, are also original community builders, <laughs> like the hardest kind. Um, but just being on the farm and being kind of removed from like, like I didn't have, I always was jealous of kids who had like that suburban like life and like kids down the street. Cause like we had like our Amish neighbors, like a mile down the road, but like that was, <laughs> that was it. So we had to like get really creative. And so we would just come up with so many games and like, I would enroll them in summer school because like I was the oldest. So I knew the most. So obviously I had to pass that down to them. So growing up, it was like really fun. So many adventures. We really bonded when we all moved. Cause you know, we had like, especially me and my second oldest sister, um, we like were close enough in age that like we had some friction And so we really, that changed when we moved to Qatar when I was 16 and it really quickly was like, well, I guess you all are my only allies here. (laughs) You're the only ones who really like, and it's not that, I mean, it was a really friendly community, but it was like, oh, you're, you're the people who like understand me on a fundamental level and like nobody else does. It just like really really quickly we were like oh I guess we got to stick together otherwise we're going to like drown (laughs) so um so that really changed my really changed my relationship with Kate um and I think we became much better friends and then yeah I've just stayed really close with all my siblings like we we definitely have our own lives now none of us live well Emma and Hayden live close to each other but um we all kind of have our own lives but I think they're like this small group of people who have have we just had such a weird overlap like we just had such a weird growing up experience (laughs) compared to like being in Amish country coming from like a really like really conservative Christian roots being raised like evangelical and then moving to Qatar and then like just our our prog and then like coming back to the U.S. after Qatar which is even harder and then you know anyway so it's just sort of like these people kind of get me on this like in all these in all these weird inside jokes that like just don't make sense like you just feel at home with, I feel at home with them. So love my siblings. They're my crew. What is the first memory of your childhood with your siblings that comes to your mind right now? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, oh, definitely. I mean, not the first, but um, we would play, um, it's all these games we would um oh I have like so many flashing through my mind right now so we had this um trampoline it was a square trampoline and one day our neighbor Amish neighbor Alvin Alvin was over and he had his skid loader and my mom had him like he was like clearing something I don't remember what but my mom was like hey while you're here with your skid loader can you just like dig a hole in the yard for our trampoline and so he did so we had this like super awesome in-ground trampoline which like just takes the games to the next level so we 
had like, we had dodgeball games. I mean, there were like very specific rules for everything. And like to kind of mediate the like age difference between me and Hayden, because we were eight years different. So it was very fair and equitable, <laughs> but um, <laughs> trampoline games we would put on. Um, so my grandma had like, she was such an eccentric woman. The one who was a music teacher in Ecuador. She like collected instruments from around the world. And she had like, all of these she like also had a lot of like clothes that she had gathered from her travels and so we would put on like plays with like grandma's we called it grandma's costume bin (laughs) 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 it was like her fur coat and like all of these like really cool pieces of clothing um and so we would we would put on productions um which we did well well into our 20s (laughs) we our last major production was called um oh oh no what's the oh Chaco Libre because we were in the Chaco in Paraguay this is with the Eric's that family I was telling you about and so we like self-produced this film about like being out on this ranch in the middle of Paraguay so silly so we love I was always the director obviously but we had such a blast yeah do you play any musical instruments? No, I played the guitar for a hot second when I had a crush on a guy who played the guitar, but <laughs> not anymore. They're all my siblings are all very musical, so we I do love singing with them, but um, they all play some sort of instrument. I don't. Talking about singing, what song did you sing in the CMX um, karaoke night? <laughs> that's a great question what song did i sing i was i was a little um jenny and vicky got me a little drunk that night so (laughs) (laughs) okay so tell me more about this connection about getting drunk and uh song song choice song choice oh man yeah i think it was like probably the first oh oh it was she will be she will be loved she will be loved by maroon five yep that's what it was. Um, oh man, I was just having a blast with with Vicky. We like started, it was the end of CMX, and we like started with margaritas and then it like progressed to to like Japanese food and sake with um with Jenny. And yeah, it was a wild night. <laughs> Day or night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> Got it. And Tell me more about how did you meet Vicky? Vicky, I, um, gosh, honestly, same, kind of same way I met you. I, I saw her like chatting it up in community club Slack. And I was like, she seems to be everywhere all at once. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, mm, person of interest. So I just reached out and was like, hey, it seems like we have overlap. Like we should connect. And we had like one phone call great energy great connection but then we basically had one phone call and then got like thrown on a panel together for some virtual summit <laughs> and we like didn't know each other did it and we were like okay i guess we're speaking together and it just it worked really well so from then on we were like okay i guess you're kind of like one of my community people <laughs> she's amazing do you, do you always reach out to some people who draw your attention Mm, yes. Yep. I follow my gut on that one. If if there's like people that I'm like, ooh, you like, you're like smart, or like, you. 
<laughs> or like, you, I just have like a good feeling about you. Um, I That's like one of the most, that's where there's so much magic that happens for me. It's just following that little gut, little gut instinct. Yeah. Was it from childhood, this gut, or did you develop it? Oh, um, I think I've always been a fairly intuitive person. So I think it's part of, um, I think it was a little bit of a gift that I've yeah. received. Um, I think I've only more recently been willing to trust it. <laughs> I think growing up, there was a lot of... Um, I think in the culture that I grew up in, there was just a lot of like mistrust for your own um, like intuition because especially growing up in like an evangelical culture, it was um, that can be like confused with what we would call like the flesh or um, your like sinful desires. And so I think I kind of spent a lot of my time growing up thinking that I needed to like resist my intuition or resist like my gut because I couldn't trust it there was no way you you really could like only trust your mind like logically yeah. and logic and it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I was like oh I'm actually like I am a gut person and my gut is like dead on like it is and I I would I started to notice especially with people you know because I just some people I just get a sense for and I'm like nope nope this is just not I don't like that <laughs> this is not I don't know what it is but something here is not and then like you know years go by and it's like something would come out and I was like I knew it my gut was on <laughs> or like or or just the opposite of like oh this person just has like this vibe and I just get along with them so well and they become like a really close friend so I've learned to trust it but I think I it took a while to unpack how I interpreted a lot of that like evangelical culture that I was raised with. One of my questions was, how do you feel people? But you already answered it. So <laughs> how do I feel about people? How do you feel them? Yes. Uh, but, oh, yeah. Yeah. And you already answered it. And <laughs> your LinkedIn profile link shows your full name, Brianna. Mm. But everywhere you are, you are Brie. That's so confusing. why yes. and when did you decide to go with Brie instead of Brianna? Yeah, I, that's a really good question. Um, when we moved to Qatar, that's when I started going by Brie. So a lot, all my Pennsylvania friends will still call me Brianna. And it's, it's kind of like, it was jarring when I first like realized it. Cause I was like, you know, my friend Chris will be like Brianna. And I'm like, Kristen, like, why are you calling me by my full name? <laughs> Did I do I something like, wrong? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my family still calls me Brianna. Breed is just a little bit easier. And there's some debate. Is it Brianna or Brianna? And so I just skip that debate altogether and say Brie. Yeah, you made people's lives so much easier. <laughs> 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 so on your LinkedIn like there is a list of languages so not only English but Arabic French Hebrew Spanish is it the full list of languages you speak um 
well okay let's take that with a grain of salt let's let's use the word speak very lightly <laughs> at least you understand i am a dabbler you know? i love i yeah yep i'm but i'm very much a dabbler in language so um i think i don't know if french was on there but spanish french arabic and hebrew i've all like technically studied um i spanish is my most um the one that i'm <laughs> quote most of, it's been a while it's been a minute I won't lie but I lived in the DR for like three months and my mom speaks fluent Spanish and my grandpa did and so it's a little bit more accessible um but the problem for me I like I really wish I was I'm a language person that I like love like learning and dabbling and like I love the meaning of words but I realized in my summer living in the DR being understood and feeling competent are so critical <laughs> for me. And that is just, I, I admire people who can like push through into learning a second language because that like gap of time where you feel completely incompetent because you literally just don't have the language to feel, to like, you just have the language of like a five-year-old or a seven-year-old or you know, it's like you, you literally like digress and I just have like the utmost respect because I, I like, it was one of the things in my life where I was like, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> I think it's going to take too much vulnerability and I'm not strong enough to be able to do it. So maybe someday, but I, you and anybody else who is bilingual, I'm like, kudos. I uh, utmost respect. Do you plan to learn some more languages in the nearest future? Oh, I would love to dabble i would love to dabble <laughs> but i don't have anything on my i definitely i i um attempted hawaiian when i first got here i was on duolingo and was just like kind of fooling around a little bit to try and be a little bit more culturally sensitive um it's a super difficult language so if i couldn't do it with spanish or french there's <laughs> probably a lot of hope for me with mine unless I was like extremely intrinsically motivated um so yeah super open to it but I think it kind of has to like come to me I'm not gonna go out like pursuing it if that makes sense yeah and what was your longest Duolingo streak oh that's a great question not very much I think I got into like the 40s maybe I think I got into the 40s <laughs> Are you on Duolingo? Yes, because what? I'm learning another language. I'm learning Polish right now, so wow. I'm also there. So okay, good for you. Do you get really into? <laughs> I got like for a season. I got really into like the gamification with it all, yeah. and like getting all the points and the gems. Yeah, it's a. I love Duolingo. That's actually yeah. Laura wasn't wasn't it Laura Nessler who how to talk from Duolingo about community. Mm. Am I making that up? Don't know, won't lie. So yeah. <laughs> uh, on one of your blog posts, you wrote that I spent a lot of my time communicating with people and getting them to do new things they haven't done before. So mm. how do you do it? <laughs> how do I change people's behavior? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> How to be this influence influencer. 
yeah, in these three simple steps. <laughs> um, no, I mean, where to start? <laughs> so I really, I kind of subscribe to when it comes to behavior design. I subscribe to BJ Fogg's method. Have you ever read Tiny Habits? I haven't read Tiny Habits, but I read Atomic Habits, which is, I believe, practically the same. Okay, I think, I think they're like the same concept. Yes, yeah. totally. So rather than um, focusing on creating like a really juicy reward, you focus on how can I reduce this action to like a 30 second start? And how can I make, how can I create as little or like reduce the friction to start and take that initial um that initial action as much as possible. So I, um, a couple of things that I like consider whenever I'm trying to map out, like what's the behavior I want someone to take is what's the action. What's like what, what BJ Fogg would call the approved action. How can we reduce that to a tiny action to help mm -hmm. get them started? And then, um, are there any like supporting resources? Um, oh, and then how are we prompting that tiny action? And then in addition, are there any supporting resources that we can give to like support that action happening? So like a, a like really tiny, no pun intended, example is um, in the heartbeat community that I was working in, um, I thought about, so one of the approved actions is like we want a member to um, like leave a reaction. Well, ideally we want them to leave a comment right mm -hmm. on a post. Mm -hmm. We can reduce that and say, leave a reaction. And what I realized is like in platforms like Heartbeat or Slack, when you say leave a reaction, there's actually a lot of friction that happens in that moment because there's like, there's like a million emojis to choose from. Yes. And have you ever like been like, I don't know what freaking emoji to put on this. Like, it's like, I can spend like an absurd amount of time, which maybe this is just me, but I'm like, if it's me, I'm sure there's other people doing this. So rather than saying leave a reaction, I started saying in the community, like, if you read something, leave an eyes on it, like, or whatever, pick an emoji, pick an emoji. That's just like the go-to community emoji and be like, if you like something, leave a flame. If you like something, leave a heart, whatever it needs to be. And so that's just like one example of like trying to reduce friction in those moments to get a better behavior outcome that you want to see. Yeah, and totally. You know, when you make this simpler, people just do it. So mm -hmm. Exactly how it works. And also you have one more amazing technique that I noticed that like is very interesting and it's not really straightforward. Then you mm -hmm. wrote about that all the marketers wants you to say yes, but you mm -hmm. are framing your language in a way that invites a no instead of yes. So tell me more about yeah. receiving no instead of yes. Oh, yeah. Thanks for reading that. <laughs> it's always like, oh, my gosh, someone read something that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel so good. Such a love language. Um, so... I read this in a book called Never Split the Difference, and it's a book written by one of the top like FBI hostage negotiators. So it's a book on negotiation, and um, I just modified it, kind of like took the concept and ran with it a little bit more. Um, so in his negotiation techniques, he he explains how like we are so conditioned to 
um, from salespeople to say yes, that like now our biological response is like resistance to saying yes. Like we don't feel safe. We feel like someone's trying to trick us. Like if someone's like, do you need help prospecting your clients? You're like, I'm not going to tell you yes. Like there, I do, but I'm not, I, even if I do it, I'm like, I have no clients. I'm not going to tell you yes. So his whole point was like, because of that shift um, in culture, when you, when you frame um, your question in a way that gives permission for the person to respond with no, um, you're actually giving them, they feel a lot of power and security more than if you had framed it that they'll say yes. So um, like one really simple example, I can't remember if I included this in the article that I use is um, when I'm reaching out to connect with people, I'll say, is this a bad season to connect? And the response that I want them to say is like, no, it's not a bad season to connect. Let's set something up. But it's just, it's really subtle but it's, it's like allowing them to respond in a way that like provides more security, um, than, than like forcing a yes. I'm forcing the no. <laughs> do people feel guilty sometimes by telling you, no, why don't you, why do you think that? Hmm. That's a good question. I guess like for the person who really wants to connect and wants to say yes, there's always, if I'm like, is this a bad season that they could be like, yeah, I'd love to connect. Like there's still a way for them to like find the yes if that's what they're like leaning towards. But it it more just like gives them permission and a way to say no um, is, is what I found. Yeah, I, I get it. Why do you love sunsets? Ooh, oh man. <laughs> Such a good question. Um. So I started um, saying this new like blessing before I um, before I eat, and I think it kind of it kind of like embodies some of what I love about sunsets. So it goes, um, we give source, we give thanks to the source of light and love, the same presence that gave us a sun to nourish our food, gave us a moon to foster rest and reflection. In the name of the fire, the flame, and the light. And then amen. And so I, I just, it's like that in between time, right? Like the sun is going down, you're getting ready to like wrap up your day. It's a little bit of the, like the dusky dim lighting. I think you can see things. Some things are like more obscured, but then some things are like clearer in the sunset and the dusk. I don't know. I'm getting really, I have this, there's this author called John O'Donohue and I feel like I'm getting really John O'Donohue right now. <laughs> <laughs> if you read his work, then you'll understand why I love sunsets. <laughs> okay. And what about sunrise? Um, also great. Also <laughs> harder to access <laughs> for me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I do. Um, I, I love, I love a good sunrise, but there's something, um, I don't know for some reason it just like makes me feel more at peace to see the sun like going down and knowing that I like <laughs> maybe this is pessimistic but, like I made it through the day <laughs> and I'm very future oriented like I'm very I'm very much a planner I'm very much like existing in the future so you'd think that I'd like the sunrise more because it's like ooh, all of the like things that the day holds but I'll take the rest of a sunset any day 
Is it at a two on your middle finger? Oh, this is a seven. Tell me more about it. <laughs> it's from um, so I have a really amazing group of girlfriends that I met in college. We were like cultically committed to each other, <laughs> so we got tattoos one year. We do um, we do a like retreat every year together, and we all live. There's like two in Chicago, or sorry, one in Chicago, two in Indiana, one in Michigan, one in Texas, and then I'm out here in Hawaii. So we all pick a location and fly in and have a weekend together. And at this point, we've been out of college for quite some years, and、um, we actually this last year had like a pretty was a little bit of a like determine. The relationship, like, like, what is our purpose? Like, why are we here? Because we've, this was kind of the year.、Um, it was the first year post COVID that we were all able to to meet, and it was really fascinating to see. We like they let me like take everybody through this values exercise, and we like distilled down over three days like what each of our individual values were. And then from that we like found what's this what's the thread between these friendships like even though we're we're so different from each other and we've changed we've changed so much from just who we were in college let alone from each other <laughs> like we are just so different and so it was a little bit of like wait why are we doing this <laughs> it's like a lot of work people have kids people have families and lives and like it was but but we got the tattoos so. We're we're committed. We're nobody's escaping. <laughs> Is it because of seven of you? Yeah. Yep. There's seven of us. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the number of like completion too. There's a, there's so much symbolism at the number seven. So it was. I felt felt pretty good about it. And do you believe in numbers? Ooh. In what respect? What What do you mean by that? I mean like. Do you chase numbers? Do you try to find、um, some sequences?、Mm. Like, do you have、oh. some favorite numbers and all the stuff?、Oh. Yes, three is my favorite number. I wouldn't say I'm like、um, I, I know what you're talking. I'm not like the most gung ho, but I'm I believe it and I'm super open to it.、Um, I'm like I'm、um, what do they call that?、Um, Not suspicious. What's the word that I'm looking for、um, when someone is? Don't ask me. I'm Ukrainian. No. <laughs> <laughs> superstitious. That's、okay. what I. That's the word、Got、I'm、it. looking for. I'm. I am very superstitious. It's really funny. Like it comes up in the most unexpected ways. But I haven't gotten super deep into the what the numbers thing. But I do love the number three and seven and nine. Totally. And nine, yes. Okay, and and a few more. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple more. <laughs> you recently answered to some of posts on Twitter. Awesome is drawn to awesome. Tell me more about that. Hmm. That's probably like the gut thing for me. Um. I don't know how to like. Define or wrap my hands around awesome, <laughs> but I do. I think sometimes like things just align in a way that like 
I want to just keep moving with that energy. You know, I, I don't, I want to just be open and respond in a way that like keeps moving everything forward. It kind of like reminds me, we had a rule at my last job. Um, it was like the improv rule of yes. And if you know that one, so like an improv, if someone <clears throat> in any sort of skit or bit and you're going back and forth, like um, the number one rule is like, you can't respond with a no, which is so anti what I was just saying. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but it's true. I hold both of these to be true. I like give permission for the no for people I'm trying to like <laughs> kind of for lack of a better way of phrasing it, get something from, <laughs> but then for people that I'm collaborating with, I'm always, there's always the yes. And so if someone throws something my way at at this last company our rule was if anybody put an idea out into the world or out to the team literally the only response that was acceptable was wow yes and and then you <laughs> had to like add to it because we had this like philosophy that like um you know there's a million good ideas that get howled to death right away but there's um but very few like bad ideas when you wow them to life like actually end up if it's a bad idea it just somehow mysteriously goes away <laughs> so that's kind of like the energy i try to bring into like collaboration a wow yes and so more yes and or still no but <laughs> no um so yes and when collaborating giving permission to say no when seeking got it what coffee do you like <laughs> i actually have converted over to matcha more okay. recently got it i I'll, i'll drink a cup of coffee when mostly when someone else makes it for me but i i choose matcha most days mizuba matcha <laughs> You know, Brie, I wish to have the sky as a limit to our conversation, but time is the limit. So let's jump to the rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Okay, okay I'm ready. Plan or chance? Ooh. Oh, <laughs> Not no. really rapid fire, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Plan. <laughs> Lead or follow? Lead. What are your favorite color and song? Color blue song Pierre by Rin Weaver If you were a superhero what superpower would you have mm, flying Who do you learn from in the community world name one person Tatiana Figueredo And name two people who you definitely would tell me to have this conversation with oh have you talked to jenny weigel already okay great <laughs> um <laughs> let me just walk work my list um madeline she's in the she's in london do you know her most likely and you probably have some overlap she she's wonderful um we're in a mastermind together um I think her last name is Miller, but I might be getting that wrong. You should talk to Madeline. And then um, Taylor Harrington is a super dynamic 
person. I also interviewed her and she's, she's awesome. <laughs> Got it. Thank you very much. And is there one question that I definitely should have asked you, but didn't? Oh, good question. <laughs> Just like that, the next hour of our conversation started. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, maybe oh, you did a great job. I think <laughs> <laughs> you covered so many good questions. Um, you could, I would throw in there like what brings me life, maybe. But yeah. What, what brings you life? <laughs> Quite a great question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, gosh, I, I like I said it, but I didn't have an answer prepared, so I'm just <laughs> I didn't I did there was no ulterior purpose on this one. Um, I mean, I I get so much life from being in the water and being around people and seeing people experience well experiencing transformation myself, but also seeing other people experience transformation too, and so part of why I work in community I love to see how like community can help um, help people change and experience transformation and it's something that I've experienced so much in my life so that that brings me a lot of life um, as does like anything with like future plans I'm very future oriented I love thinking about like what the world is going to be wow Yeah. Why did you say that? You know, you just opened a lot of more questions, but no, we have to finish. <laughs> so we have, we have to leave some questions for the volume two, because, you know, that's always the same. So we just only started and we have to finish. But mm -hmm. anyway, Brie, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for being so open, for being so honest. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, you know, when you invited me to have conversation for a blog post, mm -hmm. it was great. And now like, you know, something about me and now I know something about you. So it's much <laughs> better. And I promise you, let's just get ready for the volume two. We'll definitely mm -hmm. have to continue this conversation one way or yeah. another, but we'll have it. So get, just get ready. I look forward to it. Thanks, Yuri. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you very much and see you in the community world. Bye. Yeah, see you there.